Chapter Forty of Louisa de la Valliere. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines. Louisa de la Valliere by Alexandra Dumas. Chapter Forty. Two Old Friends. Whilst everyone at court was busily engaged with his own affairs, a man mysteriously took up his post behind the Place de Greve, in the house which we once saw besieged by D'Artagnan on the occasion of the emeute. The principal entrance of the house was in the Place Boudoir. It was tolerably large, surrounded by gardens enclosed in the rue saint jean by the shops of tool-makers which protected it from prying look and was walled in by a triple rampart of stone noise and verdure like an embalmed mummy in its triple coffin the man we have just alluded to walked along with a firm step although he was no longer in his early prime his dark cloak and long sword plainly revealed one who seemed in search of adventures and judging from his curling moustache his fine smooth skin which could be seen beneath his sombrero it would not have been difficult to pronounce that gallantry had not a little share in his adventures in fact hardly had the cavalier entered the house when the clock struck eight and ten minutes afterwards a lady followed by a servant armed to the teeth approached and knocked at the same door which an old woman immediately opened for her the lady raised her veil as she entered though no longer beautiful or young she was still active and of an imposing carriage she concealed beneath a rich toilet and the most exquisite taste an age which nino de la closa alone could have smiled at with impunity hardly had she reached the vestibule when the cavalier whose features we have only roughly sketched advanced towards her holding out his hand good day my dear duchess he said how do you do my dear aramis replied the duchess he led her to a most elegantly furnished apartment on whose high windows were reflected the expiring rays of the setting sun which filtered gaudily through the dark green needles of the adjacent firs they sat down side by side neither of them thought of asking for additional light in the room and they buried themselves as it were in the shadow as if they wished to bury themselves in forgetfulness chevalier said the duchess you have never given me a single sign of life since our interview at fontainebleau and i confess that your presence there on the day of the franciscan's death and your initiation in certain secrets caused me the liveliest astonishment i ever experienced in my whole life i can explain my presence there to you as well as my initiation said aramis but let us first of all said the duchess talk a little of ourselves for our friendship is by no means of recent date yes madame and if heaven wills it we shall continue to be friends i will not say for a long time but for ever that is quite certain chevalier and my visit is a proof of it our interests duchess are no longer the same as they used to be said aramis smiling without apprehension in the growing gloom by which the room was overcast for it could not reveal that his smile was less agreeable and not so bright as formerly 
No, Chevalier, at the present day we have other interests. Every period of life brings its own, and, as we now understand each other in conversing, as perfectly as we formerly did without saying a word, let us talk, if you like. I am at your orders, Duchess. Ah, I beg your pardon. How did you obtain my address, and what was your object? You ask me why? I have told you. Curiosity in the first place. I wish to know what you could have to do with the Franciscan, with whom I had certain business transactions, and who died so singularly. You know that on the occasion of our interview at Fontainebleau, in the cemetery, at the foot of the grave so recently closed, we were both so much overcome by our emotions that we omitted to confide in each other what we may have to say. Yes, madame. Well, then, I had no sooner left you than I repented, and have ever since been most anxious to ascertain the truth. You know that madame de Longueville and myself are almost one, I suppose. I was not aware, said Aramis discreetly. I remembered, therefore, continued the Duchess, that neither of us said anything to the other in the cemetery, that you did not speak of the relationship in which you stood to the Franciscan, whose burial you superintended, and that I did not refer to the position in which I stood to him, all which seemed very unworthy of two such old friends as ourselves. And I have sought an opportunity of an interview with you in order to give you some information that I have recently acquired, and to assure you that Marie Michon, now no more, has left behind her one who has preserved her recollection of events. Aramis bowed over the Duchess's hand and pressed his lips upon it. You must have had some trouble to find me again, he said. Yes, she answered annoyed to find the subject taking a turn which Aramis wished to give it. But I knew you were a friend of Monsieur Fouquet's, and so I inquired in that direction. A friend! Oh! exclaimed the chevalier. I can hardly pretend to be that. A poor priest who has been favored by a generous protector, and whose heart is full of gratitude and devotion, is all that I pretend to be to Monsieur Fouquet. He made you a bishop? Yes, Duchess, a very good retiring pension for so handsome a musketeer. Yes, in the same way that political intrigue is for yourself, thought Aramis. And so, he added, you inquired after me at Monsieur Fouquet's. Easily enough, you had been to Fontainebleau with him, and had undertaken a voyage to your diocese, which is Belle Ile en Mer, I believe? no madame said aramis my diocese is vana i meant that i only thought that belle Mer is a property belonging to monsieur fouquet nothing more ah i had been told that belle Ile was fortified besides i know how great the military knowledge is you possess i have forgotten everything of the kind since i entered the church said aramis annoyed Suffice it to know that I learned you had returned from Vanna, and I set off to one of our friends, Monsieur Le Comte de la Fare, who is discretion itself, in order to ascertain it, but he answered that he was not aware of your address. So like Pothos, thought the bishop, the really good man never changes. Well then, you know that I cannot venture to show myself here, 
and that the queen mother has always some grievance or other against me yes indeed and i am surprised at it oh there are various reasons for it but to continue being obliged to conceal myself i was fortunate enough to meet with to meet with monsieur d'artagnan who was formerly one of your old friends i believe a friend of mine still duchess he gave me certain information and sent me to monsieur bismuth the governor of the bastille aramis was somewhat agitated at this remark and a light flashed from his eyes in the darkness of the room which he could not conceal from his keen-sighted friend monsieur de bismuth he answered why did d'artagnan send you to monsieur de bismuth i cannot tell you what can this possibly mean said the bishop summoning all the resources of his mind to his aid in order to carry on the combat in a befitting manner monsieur de bismuth is greatly indebted to you d'artagnan told me true he is so and the address of a creditor is as easily ascertained as that of a debtor very true and so bismuth indicated to you saint monde where i forwarded a letter to you which i have in my hand and which is most precious to me said aramis because i am indebted for it for the pleasure of seeing you here the duchess satisfied at having successfully overcome the various difficulties of so delicate an explanation began to breathe freely again which aramis however could not succeed in doing we had got as far as your visit to monsieur bismuth i believe nay she said laughing farther than that in that case we must have been speaking about the grudge you have against the queen mother further still she returned further still we were talking of the connection which existed between you and the franciscan said aramis interrupting her eagerly well i am listening to you very attentively it is easily explained returned the duchess you know that i am living at brussels with monsieur de laicque i heard so you know that my children have ruined and stripped me of everything how terrible dear duchess terrible indeed this obliged me to resort to some means of obtaining a livelihood and particularly to avoid vegetating for the remainder of my existence i had old hatreds to turn to account old friendships to make use of i no longer had either credit or protectors you who had extended protection towards so many persons said aramis softly it is always the case chevalier well at the present time i am in the habit of seeing the king of spain very frequently ah who has just nominated a general of the jesuits according to the usual custom it is usual indeed were you not aware of it i beg your pardon i was inattentive you must be aware of that you who were on such good terms with the franciscan with the general of the jesuits you mean exactly well then i have seen the king of spain who wished to do me a service but was unable he gave me recommendations however to flanders both for myself and for laic too and conferred a pension on me out of the funds belonging to the order of jesuits yes the general i mean the franciscan was sent to me and for the purpose of conforming with the requisitions of the statutes of the order and of entitling me to the pension 
I was reputed to be in a position to render services. You are aware that that is the rule? No, I did not know it, said Aramis. Madame de Chevreuse paused to look at Aramis, but it was perfectly dark. Well, such is the rule, however, she resumed. I had, therefore, to appear to possess a power of usefulness of some kind or other, and I proposed to travel for the order, and I was placed on the list of affiliated travelers. You understand it was a formality, by means of which I received my pension, which was very convenient for me. Good heavens, Duchess, what you tell me is like a dagger thrust. You obliged to receive a pension from the Jesuits? No, Chevalier, from Spain. Except for a conscientious scruple, Duchess, you will admit that it is pretty nearly the same thing. No, not at all. But surely of your magnificent fortune there must remain. Dampierre is all that remains. And that is handsome enough. Yes, but Dampierre is burdened, mortgaged, and almost fallen to ruin like its owner. And can the queen-mother know and see all that without shedding a tear, said Aramis with a penetrating look, which encountered nothing but darkness? Yes, she has forgotten everything. You, I believe, attempted to get restored to favor? Yes, but most singularly, the young king inherits the antipathy his dear father had for me. You will perhaps tell me that I am indeed a woman to be hated, and that I am no longer one who can be loved. Dear Duchess, pray come quickly to the cause that brought you here, for I think we can be of service to each other. Such has been my own thought. I came to Fontainebleau with a double object in view. In the first place, I was summoned there by the Franciscans, whom you knew. By the by, how did you know him? For I have told you my story, and have not heard yours. I knew him in a very natural way, Duchess. I studied theology with him at Parma. We became fast friends, and it happened from time to time that business, or travel, or war, separated us from each other. You were, of course, aware that he was the general of the Jesuits. I suspected it. But by what extraordinary chance did it happen that you were at the hotel when the affiliated travelers met together? Oh, said Aramis in a calm voice, it was the merest chance in the world. I was going to Fontainebleau to see Monsieur Fouquet for the purpose of obtaining an audience of the king. I was passing by unknown. I saw the poor dying monk in the road, and recognized him immediately. You know the rest. He died in my arms. Yes, but bequeathing to you so vast a power that you issue your sovereign orders and directions like a monarch? He certainly did leave me a few commissions to settle. And what for me? I have told you, a sum of twelve thousand livres was to be paid to you. I thought I had given you the necessary signature to enable you to receive it. Did you not get the money? Oh, yes, yes. You give your orders. I am informed, with so much mystery, and such a majestic presence, that it is generally believed you are the successor of the defunct chief. Aramis colored impatiently, and the Duchess continued. I have obtained my information, she said, from the King of Spain himself, and he cleared up some of my doubts on the point every general of the jesuits is nominated by him and must be a spaniard according to the statutes of the order 
you were not a spaniard nor have you been nominated by the king of spain aramis did not reply to this remark except to say you see duchess how greatly you were mistaken since the king of spain told you that yes my dear aramis but there is something else which i have been thinking of what is that you know i believe something about most things and it occurred to me that you know the spanish language every frenchman who has been actively engaged in the fronde knows spanish you have lived in flanders three years and have stayed at madrid fifteen months you are in a position then to become a naturalized spaniard when you like really said aramis with a frankness which deceived the duchess undoubtedly two years residence and an acquaintance with the language are indispensable you have upwards of four years more than double the time necessary what are you driving at duchess at this i am on good terms with the king of spain and i am not on bad terms thought aramis to himself shall i ask the king continued the duchess to confer the succession to the franciscan's post upon you oh duchess you have it already perhaps she said no upon my honor very well then i can render you that service why did you not render the same service to monsieur de laique duchess he is a very talented man and one you love besides yes no doubt but at all events putting laique aside will you have it no i thank you duchess she paused he is nominated she thought and then resumed aloud if you refuse me in this manner it is not very encouraging for me supposing i should have something to ask of you oh ask pray ask ask i cannot do so if you have not the power to grant what i want however limited my power and ability ask all the same i need a sum of money to restore dampierre ah replied aramis coldly money well duchess how much would you require oh a tolerably round sum so much the worse you know i am not rich no no but the order is and if you had been the general you know i am not the general i think in that case you have a friend who must be very wealthy monsieur fouquet monsieur fouquet he is more than half ruined madame so it is said but i did not believe it why duchess because i have or rather laic has certain letters in his possession from cardinal mazarin which establish the existence of very strange accounts what accounts relative to various sums of money borrowed and disposed of i cannot very distinctly remember what they are but they establish the fact that the superintendent according to these letters which are signed by mazarin had taken thirteen millions of francs from the coffers of the state the case is a very serious one aramis clenched his hands in anxiety and apprehension is it possible he said that you have such letters as you speak of and have not communicated them to monsieur fouquet ah replied the duchess i keep such trifling matters as these in reserve the day may come when they will be of service and they can be withdrawn from the safe custody in which they now remain and that day has arrived said aramis yes and you are going to show those letters to monsieur fouquet i prefer to talk about them with you instead 
"'You must be in sad want of money, my poor friend, "'to think of such things as these. "'You, too, who held Monsieur de Mazarin's prose effusions "'in such indifferent esteem. "'The fact is, I am in want of money.' "'And then,' continued Aramis, in cold accents, "'it must have been very distressing to you "'to be obliged to have recourse to such a means. "'It is cruel.' oh if had wished to do harm instead of good said madame de chevreuse instead of asking the general of the order or monsieur fouquet for the five hundred thousand francs i require i five hundred thousand francs yes no more did you think it much i require at least as much as that to restore dampierre yes madame i say therefore that instead of asking for this amount I should have gone to see my old friend the Queen Mother. The letters from her husband, Signora Mazzarini, would have served me as an introduction, and I should have begged this mere trifle of her, saying to her, I wish, madame, to have the honor of receiving you at Dampierre. Permit me to put Dampierre in a fit state for that purpose. Aramis did not return a single word. Well, she said, what are you thinking about? i am making certain additions said aramis and monsieur fouquet subtractions i on the other hand am trying my hand at the art of multiplication what excellent calculators we all three are how well we might understand one another will you allow me to reflect said aramis no for with such an opening between people like ourselves yes or no is the only answer and that an immediate one it is a snare thought the bishop it is impossible that anne of austria would listen to such a woman as this well said the duchess well madame i should be very much astonished if monsieur fouquet had five hundred thousand francs at his disposal at the present moment it is no use speaking of it then said the duchess and dampierre must get restored how best it may oh you are not embarrassed to such an extent as that i suppose no i am never embarrassed and the queen continued the bishop will certainly do for you what the superintendent is unable to do oh certainly but tell me do you think it would be better that i should speak myself to monsieur fouquet about these letters nay duchess you will do precisely whatever you please in that respect monsieur fouquet either feels or does not feel himself to be guilty if he really be so i know he is proud enough not to confess it if he be not so he will be exceedingly offended at your menace as usual you reason like an angel said the duchess as she rose from her seat and so you are now going to denounce monsieur fouquet to the queen said aramis denounce oh what a disagreeable word i shall not denounce my dear friend you know matters of policy too well to be ignorant how easily these affairs are arranged i shall merely side against monsieur fouquet and nothing more and in a war of party against party a weapon is always a weapon no doubt and once on friendly terms again with the queen mother i may be dangerous towards some persons you are at liberty to prove so duchess a liberty of which i shall avail myself you are not ignorant i suppose duchess that monsieur fouquet is on the best terms with the king of spain i suppose so if therefore you begin a party warfare against monsieur fouquet he will reply in the same way 
for he too is at perfect liberty to do so is he not oh certainly and as he is on good terms with spain he will make use of that friendship as a weapon of attack you mean that he is naturally on good terms with the general of the order of the jesuits my dear armies that may be the case duchess and that consequently the pension i have been receiving from the order will be stopped i am greatly afraid it might be well i must contrive to console myself in the best way i can for after richelieu after the fronde after exile what is there left for madame de chabreux to be afraid of the pension you are aware is forty-eight thousand francs alas i am quite aware of it moreover in party contests you know the friends of one's enemy do not escape ah you mean that poor laïque will have to suffer i am afraid it is almost inevitable duchess ah he only receives twelve thousand francs pension yes but the king of spain has some influence left advised by monsieur fouquet he might get monsieur laïque shut up in prison for a little while i am not very nervous on that point my dear friend because once reconciled with anne of austria i will undertake that france would insist upon monsieur laïque's liberation true in that case you will have something else to apprehend what can that be said the duchess pretending to be surprised and terrified you will learn indeed you must know it already that having once been an affiliated member of the order it is not easy to leave it for the secrets that any particular member may have acquired are unwholesome and carry with them the germs of misfortune for whosoever may reveal them the duchess paused and reflected for a moment and then said that is more serious i will think it over and notwithstanding the profound obscurity aramis seemed to feel a basilisk glance like a white-hot iron escape from his friend's eyes and plunge into his heart let us recapitulate said aramis determined to keep himself on his guard and gliding his hand into his breast where he had a dagger concealed exactly let us recapitulate short accounts make long friends the suppression of your pension forty-eight thousand francs and that of laïque's twelve make together sixty thousand francs that is what you mean i suppose precisely and i was trying to find out what would be your equivalent for that five hundred thousand francs which i shall get from the queen or which you will not get i know a means of procuring them said the duchess thoughtlessly this remark made the chevalier prick up his ears and from the moment his adversary had committed this error his mind was so thoroughly on its guard that he seemed every moment to gain the advantage more and more and she consequently to lose it i will admit for argument's sake that you obtain the money he resumed you will lose twice as much having a hundred thousand francs pension to receive instead of sixty thousand and that for a period of ten years not so for i shall only be subjected to this reduction of my income during the period of monsieur fouquet's remaining in power a period which i estimate at two months ah said aramis i am frank you see i thank you for it duchess but you would be wrong to suppose that after monsieur fouquet's disgrace the order would resume the payment of your pension i know a means of making the order pay 
as I know a means of forcing the queen mother to concede what I require. In that case, Duchess, we are all obliged to strike our flags to you. The victory is yours, and the triumph also. Be clement, I entreat you. But it is possible, resumed the Duchess, without taking notice of the irony, that you really draw back from a miserable sum of five hundred thousand francs. But is it possible, resumed the Duchess, without taking notice of the irony, that you really draw back from a miserable sum of five hundred thousand francs, when it is a question of sparing you, I mean your friend, I beg your pardon, I ought rather to say your protector, the disagreeable consequences which a party contest produces? Duchess, I tell you why. Supposing the five hundred thousand francs were to be given you, Monsieur Laïc will require his share, which will be another five hundred thousand francs, I presume. And then, after Monsieur Laïc's and your own portions have been arranged, the portions which your children, your poor pensioners, and various other persons will require, will start up as fresh claims, and these letters, however compromising they may be in their nature, are not worth from three to four millions. Can you have forgotten the Queen of France's diamonds? They were surely worth more than these bits of waste paper signed by Mazarin, and yet their recovery did not cost a fourth part of what you ask for yourself. Yes, that is true, but the merchant values his goods at his own price, and it is for the purchaser to buy or refuse. Stay a moment, Duchess. Would you like me to tell you why I will not buy your letters? Pray tell me. Because the letters you claim to be Mazarin's are false. What an absurdity! I have no doubt of it, for it would, to say the least, be very singular that after you had quarrelled with the Queen through Monsieur Mazarin's means, you should have kept up any intimate acquaintance with the latter. It would look as if you had been acting as a spy and upon my word i do not like to make use of the word oh pray do your great complaisance would seem suspicious at all events that is quite true but the contents of the letters are even more so i pledge you my word duchess that you will not be able to make use of it with the queen oh yes indeed i can make use of everything with the queen very good thought aramis croak on old owl hiss Beldame viper but the duchess had said enough and advanced a few steps toward the door aramis however had reserved one exposure which she did not expect he rang the bell candles immediately appeared in the adjoining room and the bishop found himself completely encircled by lights which shone upon the worn haggard face of the duchess revealing every feature but too clearly Aramis fixed a long, ironical look upon her pale, thin, withered cheeks, her dim, dull eyes, and upon her lips, which she kept carefully closed over her discolored, scanty teeth. He, however, had thrown himself into a graceful attitude, with his haughty and intelligent head thrown back. He smiled so as to reveal teeth still brilliant and dazzling. The antiquated coquette understood the trick which had been played her, she was standing immediately before a large mirror in which her decrepitude so carefully concealed was only made more manifest and thereupon without even saluting aramis who bowed with the ease and grace of the musketeer of early days she hurried away with trembling steps which her very precipitation only the more impeded aramis sprang across the room like a zephyr to lead her to the door 
Madame de Chevreuse made a sign to her servant, who resumed his musket, and she left the house where such tender friends had not been able to understand each other, only because they had understood each other too well. End of chapter 40 Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah